Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, Determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello and welcome to the Line of Scrimmage podcast presented by Tomahawk Nation. My name is Tim Allenball, and after their third straight loss, the Seminoles are on a much needed bye week, but here, the Line of Scrimmage podcast, there is no rest for the weary. We are going to spend the next few minutes going back in time, breaking down the first half of Florida State season. And the best way to go back in time is to bring back some of our old friends. So to help us break this down, we have some of our brethren from Knowles 24-7, two-thirds of the triple option, Tomahawk Nation alumni, the one and only Trey Roland and the coach himself, Adam Brown. Fellas, how are you? I'm doing good, Tim. 66.666 repeating, of course, portions of the triple option are here. And I just, we miss you, bud. Like, we're doing great at Knowles 24-7. You guys are doing great at Tomahawk Nation. It's, it, I'm happy to get the gang back together, man. This is nice. This is nostalgic. I'm loving it. It feels like a, it feels like a family re- reunion right now. I'm like, oh, there's my cousin Tim and my big brother. Well, maybe he's more of a small brother, Trey. And Hey, now like, listen, it's, it's the aspect. It's like the Lord <laughs> of the Rings movies. I'm, I'm actually really intimidating and physically imposing in real life. Okay, bro. <laughs> beautiful. But anyway, beautiful. yeah, it's great. It's great being here. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm very happy for you guys. Uh, I, I love scrolling through my Twitter feed, seeing your faces all over it, uh, what you're doing over there. Um, I didn't ask, Kevin to be on today because I think he might be one of the busiest people I know and uh and and frankly you know I really just wanted Trey but you know coach coach Adam you know I gotta have you as well (laughs) well luckily luckily we're two very apparently uh busy scheduled jabronis (laughs) (laughs) well no I'm just kidding coach Adam Brown is one of my favorite people to talk to about Florida State sports he and I uh ping each other often 
He's always got the scoop. We always are shaking our heads about our fellow Discordians. <laughs> uh, we have a great time. Tim is like true family. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, let's jump right into it. Trey, I, I really want to kind of start with you because as the listeners know, as Florida State fans know, nobody really paints a better picture than you do with words. Oh God, here we go. Here's the pressure, man. I'm just a, I'm just a lazy jabroni with nothing else to do. Well, here, let me give it a shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Florida State sits at four and three. And if we're honest, before the season started, this is kind of what we expected to be at, at four and three. Uh, winning the games you're supposed to, running through a tough three-game gauntlet. But yet, it's a very finicky fan base that's always on edge. And they don't seem like a happy bunch as of late. Uh, you know, the North Carolina State, obviously a bad taste in everybody's mouth. And the, and the middle eight tray against, uh, <sighs> against Clemson. But I, I really want to hear your overall feelings of, of the season so far when it comes to our beloved Seminoles. Well, it's funny you say that, Tim, because expectations are, like you said, preseason. I think every anybody would have taken four and three or would have expected four and three or would have been fairly positive about it. However, once the game started getting played, a lot of things that people noticed in the preseason, they either surprised them or translated way better than they thought um, upon first viewing. The wide receivers were way more productive than I expected them to be. Guys like Johnny Wilson, Micah Pittman, I think really got integrated into that offense a lot quicker than what we expected. So that raised the ceiling, the potential of the offense. The linebackers on defense, much better than it, it, a, a unit that was absolutely abysmal last year is one of the strengths of the defense. Might be the strength of the defense with the injuries on the defensive line. And then guys like there were there were talented guys like Jared Verse. He was a talented athletic guy, but how is he gonna how is he gonna translate coming from FCS to Albany to FSU? He's the real deal, man. I, I was surprised by his power and his athleticism completely translated. So I think a lot of that disappointment is because it especially at the beginning of the year when Florida state was fully healthy right after that LSU game or during that LSU game, they flashed potential of a team that could, could and should maybe have a better record than four and three right now. And some of the disappointments of that game, I think that NC state game is always going to be sticking out in Florida state fans minds until, until we know about how these last five go, man, it's just a, it's unfortunately a story of, it's promise and I feel like it's promising, but it's unfulfilled potential and some missed opportunities in a lot of this. So I think I don't, I personally don't know how to feel. I, I think if you, if you want to be negative, there's, there's fodder for you there. I'm positive. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive, but um, I think you could go either way. I lean more towards the positive with um, an emphasis, a heavy emphasis on getting the actual results in these next five. Uh, Adam, I want to jump over to you in, in several different categories. I think Brendan Sinone was one of the guys that reported this on Twitter. Florida State's actually in the top 10 on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, the receivers looked improved, like Trey just talked about, which is a positive. The line has a few solid pieces. The running backs have been beyond impressive. Um, the record might not be what fans want, again, according to how you see it, as, as Trey pointed out. But would you consider this Jordan Travis led offense successful so far for Florida state? Um, I would say it was fairly successful in the first four games. 
it's been really inconsistent. So, no, I, I don't think you could call it successful because of its inconsistencies. From the Wake Forest game on, I think teams got a scout on what you want to do, and they've been able to uh, – there's been a lot of movement. We've seen some wide nine. We've seen a lot of tight front uh, the last couple of weeks. I, what I would say is I don't think it's totally fair to not call it successful because these are three teams that I think are better than you, their defense against your offense. I know the Wake Forest defense was – was rated really low coming into that game, but they've they've played a lot better since then. Um, I think they kind of gave the uh, the playbook on how to how to attack this Florida State front and, and create negative plays. They did it with the Y nine. They did it with the tight front and some movement up front. They still, you know pre snap they moved around a lot. They really got them Florida State tackles heads and they kind of w- went at them and, and beat them. But I also think too. You, know, you lost Robert Scott for a stretch there. That was troublesome for the offensive line. Jazz Turnitin hasn't played well. Marcus Douglas is a, is a player at tight end who they're relying on quite a bit in the blocking game. But he's really kind of learning on the fly here. He, he's uh, getting his feet wet and trying to figure out that position. Doesn't have a lot of playing experience at the collegiate level. And he's kind of coming and going. And, you know, he's been really up and down and he's hurt the run game. Um, so the first four games – they obviously had success. BC looked really good. Um, Louisville with Tate Rotomaker in the second half. But if you remember when Jordan Travis went out in that Louisville game, they had really bogged down. Um, they they were struggling at that point, and it wasn't until the second half with Tate throwing off throwing some RPOs and then working some play action game down the field that they took off again. You know, LSU. Do you call that game a successful offensive game? I don't. I don't know. I mean. They moved the ball. They scored some points. They kind of they kind of fell apart in stretches there. Also, you know, inside the red zone, this this offense has been a complete failure. Um, I don't think anybody can really argue that to go situations third third and whatever, fourth and whatever to go. They haven't been good enough. Um, so, I, I think it's a lot like Trey's answer. You can find yeses and you can find nos. You can find people that are going to be on either side of this conversation. I think. It hasn't been consistent enough. So for me, no, it hasn't been a successful offense, but it is one that's been improved from last year. Adam, too, and just to kind of piggyback of what you said, the grade's incomplete right now. If, yeah, if, 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 we, if we would have had the bye week after that NC State game, I would have said unequivocal failure because yeah. I thought the teams were starting to get an easy, an easy scout on FSU. They were starting to revert and kind of really simplify the offensive game yeah. plan to yeah. – not even just like running and passing, but the actual route combinations they had. I thought the teams, I mean, the NC State cornerback that intercepted it at the end of the game said as much. We knew you were going to do it. You already did it. Mm-hmm. I'm a little bit more, I have some more positivity because of what they did in that Clemson game. Now, they had a lot of success running the ball, but to me, what I thought was very encouraging was how multiple they were on offense. All those different formations. Micah Pittman in the backfield, mm-hmm. a lot of motion, a lot of stuff that you saw in the LSU game. Uh kind of came back. I, Adam, you and I talked about it. We thought that we really liked the diversity of the game plan and how it built off for that LSU game. We felt like they reverted and got too simplistic and kind of got back to their early season roots with that Clemson performance. So I thought that that, and then they did some things they haven't done really all year, man, the pistol stuff running under center, which coach Adam Brown run game enthusiast. (laughs) My God, I was raving in the group chat. It was nice stuff. So I'm, I, I'm with him, man. I don't. I don't think you can call it a success at all. I think that it's been in, it's been inconsistent. I think the grades TBD. But I am on the more optimistic side. 
if with the caveat, if mm-hmm. they game yeah. plan for the rest of the year, like they game plan for Clemson, don't go back into the shell. Yeah. Keep dictate the terms to the defense and keep those, keep those guys on their toes. So they can't tee off on an offensive line that's healthier, but dude, right. there's still, there's, there's still some weak things to attack on that. Even offensive the, line. even the Clemson game was really kind of this offense in a nutshell. Yes, you went out and you ran for 200 yards, and everybody's really excited about that fact. I hear everybody talking about they ran for 200 yards against Clemson. It's obviously a feat. I think there's a bit of fool's gold in there, though, because Clemson played, and we, we broke it down on the on the X's and O's YouTube channel, our typical film review. I know everybody watches that. Um, ah. Slight plug. So we broke it down, though. Clemson sat in a, in a five-man box, a six-man box from the majority of the game. Florida State really attacked that, took advantage of it with the outside zone running game, getting Jordan Travis involved with his legs. Yes, they were able to block that front, but Clemson was also willing to give them a gap to run into and almost dare them to run the football. They were able to do it, but I want to see it when teams are a little more are a little more forceful against the run game because we've seen them fail to, to have success when they do that. So I don't want to take credit from them because, yes, they blocked a really good front, but I don't want to give them a lot of credit because Clemson was like, Okay, run the football. Right, but it was a six-man box with four NFL defensive linemen. I know, and they chose to do that. So, like, give them half credit. Give them point five. Able to run the ball in a six-man box, like, oh yeah, you say that. You okay? Hey, I gave them some credit. (laughs) I just don't want to give them a ton of credit. I don't want to go out here and say, oh my god, we ran for two hundred yards against Clemson. We're going to run for four hundred yards against everybody else. I don't think it works that way. It doesn't translate, but here we six minutes in. All right, it's triple option. It's just we're in shambles. But, but look at the red zone. Look at the <laughs> yeah, red zone again. Exactly. You're, you're you, right. You throw, you throw multiple fade passes. I don't mind the fade calls. Jordan Travis throws a bad one. Johnny Wilson runs a bad route on the second one. Like just one of those has got to be right and you get a touchdown. And they can't do it. That's fair. Uh, That's fair. And too many they, failures in the red zone are costing this team. Some of it is because you can't trust your kicker. And teams know you're going to be going forward on fourth down and doing all this hibbity hoobity baba baha. They've got to get that figured out. They've got to get like, that figured out. You sound like Trey trying to say uh, DJ's <laughs> name. You know, Adam, you you hit it on the head when they get in that red zone and those those defensive boxes compress. All of a sudden, that run game is not as successful. Yeah, it goes bye bye. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, you guys are kind of peeking into my, uh, my, my next question with what you were saying, which, which is all good because, Trey, I, I feel the same way you did and, and how you've kind of talked about it. Florida State looks like they've been an easy scout. Uh, yeah. And suddenly after the scripted first two drives or whatever you want to call it, they've, they've just been shut down. I, I, I want to ask you the question, do you blame that on coaching or – do you think that Florida State is still limited uh, with their with their player personnel? You know, they're not quite um, restocked. They, they don't quite have the offensive line, the full offensive line that they want. What do you think is the reason that they became so predictable? It's a it's a multivariate kind of analysis. I would say most of it is on personnel because you saw just by having a guy like Robert Scott back how much more effective they were. Now, they had a better game plan, in my opinion. I, w- I would look say it's more personnel. However, I'm not going to get, I'm not going to just take the cop out and do it all the personnel. (laughs) I I don't care what the personnel is, man. Scoring zero points in that second half against North Carolina state. There have been so many execution issues and whether those were checks at the line of scrimmage, or if those were just Mike Norvell calling 
routes and concepts in that Wake Forest game and that NC State game um, that were comfortable for his quarterback, it was not good. It was not good. So I think it's mixed. It, and honestly, the thing that's that is frustrating is every game was a different issue. Like Wake Forest, to me, that was personnel. Your tackles got lit on fire. Wake Forest, they did a really good scout on you with that wide nine concept. Like Adam was talking about, the defensive ends were really out wide. Obviously, Wake Forest took a look at what Louisville saw and said that these Florida State tackles, especially without Robert Scott, cannot handle speed. They handle power okay. They handled LSE okay. Speed lit on fire. Inferno. Self-immolation. Vietnamese monk. It's not good. Um, so I, to me, the Wake Forest thing was more personnel. The NC State game, that's where I really started to say, I think we're an easy scout, man. That To me, that was a little, that was more on coaching. Obviously, you still have the same personnel in that game, but I thought that what we did in that second half was just not enough, and I didn't, I thought we were too predictable. Now, a lot yeah. of that predictability is because you're kicker. So I think it's a mix. Obviously, if I had to, if I had to divvy it up, I'd say 65, I'd go 60%, 65% personnel, 35% coaching depending on which game you're talking about, honestly. I feel like, and whoever wants to jump in this, feel free. I feel like the coaches have been slow to adapt in game. I feel like fourth quarter, we've kind of seen where their changes finally uh, start to, to come into effect. But Adam, you, you brought up the U of L game and you know, we've talked about the NC state game. That offense really starts to bog down in the middle eight Trey um stop it Tim we've heard it enough don't you dare say slow mesh I think I, I just feel like whether it's Norvell or, or you know whether they they feel limited by the personnel I just feel like they they just are slow reacting and adapting to what the defenses are doing to them on the offensive side of the ball uh, I think they go into a game with a set of plays that they want to that they feel like are going to be successful for them to run and a handful of formations that they feel like are going to get them into or that are going to afford them the best opportunity to run those plays and attack the defense that they're going to see. They're seeing a lot of tight front. They've seen it the last three weeks. They're going to see it next week against Georgia Tech. That's just what teams are running these days. Teams are running a three-man front with two two guys lined up on, on the inside eye of the tackle and a stand-up moving around and two backers on the inside. That's just what everybody's running these days. Georgia Georgia runs it. Clemson, everybody's running it. So I think that they go into a game with a set of plays that they feel like they're going to be successful, a couple of counters off of them. And then I think the defense adapts, and I don't know if they've got more offense to go to because they it's not what was in their, not what was in their uh, shopping bag for that week. Uh, as far as plays go, I feel like that's what happens to them sometimes. So they they go through their plays, their their inside zone, or they're running down, or their outside zone, or their counter, which is fine. You're only going to most teams are only going to run a handful of running plays, but you got to start window dressing them a little bit more. Yeah, I, I know that they they don't love to run motion because it impacts what's going on with the blocking. Well, this team's shown that it doesn't handle, or this offensive line specifically, Jazz Turnantine, has shown that he doesn't handle when guys are moving around in front of him. When you start motioning, it starts moving the starts moving guys around, and that impacts what this offensive line's got to do. I think that they 
are worried about how these guys react and how they respond when there's movement. So they've gone away from some of the motion stuff, which takes some of your window dressing away, which makes you feel predictable. Um, passing game wise, I mean, Mike's not a passing game guy in the first place. I mean, they throw the ball. They want to run some RPOs. Teams are trying to take that away a little bit with man coverage. Um, we haven't seen as much mesh. They've run it a little bit, but when they've run it, they haven't run it great. So I think for passing game wise, it's just not stuff. That's not who they want to be. They want to be a running the football team. They want to be a team that runs the football. I think that some of the uh, we're back to where some of the deficiencies up front and some of the weaknesses that these guys have shown have taken some of the window dressing out of it for them. So it feels like they only have they only have a certain number of plays. If you could get some of that window dressing back in, I think it would feel like it was more open than what it actually is. It makes sense. And uh, to your point, I, and I've seen you and others talk about that, the, the lack of motion or, or lack of window dressing, it feels like it makes that offense very predictable in, yeah. in, in long stretches. All right, last offensive question. We'll go over the defensive side. Uh, Trey, offensive MVP so far. Uh, to me, it was I, – I'm in love with Treshawn Ward, <laughs> even with I, – I love him. I, I love the – even – and it's it's good that Toa Feely and Benson are starting to catch up to him a little bit now. I think that Dave, especially Benson, I, I was very – I wouldn't say concerned, but it took him a while to start running with the conviction that he showed at that Clemson game. Those first couple – he was making people miss as far as like bouncing off of him, but there wasn't a lot of authority hitting the hole. You never had that issue with Treshawn Ward, man. He was always, he was, I, I wish he had that extra gear. Cause if so, mm-hmm. he could be one of the special backs in the entire nation with that vision, that inline agility, and just the decisiveness that he was hitting a lot of those like outside zone plays that were a, one, a staple of Mike Norvell's Memphis offenses that didn't show up last year at all. Cause the offensive line couldn't block it. So I would say him from just a production standpoint, it it's hard to, I mean, Jordan Travis, obviously with the, the, the leaps that he took as a passer, at least in the first four games, I think once teams started to realize that they could beat this Florida state offensive line with six guys in the box, they made Jordan's life hell, honestly, kind of from the BC game on a little bit, BC just didn't have the, the right personnel to take advantage of it. But you've seen that Jordan Travis has had a tough time because he does have a good arm and he has gotten better, but he doesn't have great anticipation and he doesn't read the entire field. Now, whether that's a coaching thing, whatever. So I'd be open to your argument as Jordan Travis, because he is the most, he is the most valuable because if he goes down, you're, you're in big trouble, regardless of how Tate did in that Louisville game, which a lot of, a lot of Tate success, honestly, was, Florida State's offense was forced to give a different look, man. They started mm-hmm. running all those RPOs, and you could you could see that just the benefit of from what Adam was talking about. Mike Norvell was forced to switch from the initial game plan, which he's a victim of because those initial game plans are effective because he's a good evaluator. But he was forced to switch out of that because of the injury, and it really caught Louisville off guard. So you could say Jordan Travis, the only the other guy I could think of. Um, Johnny Wilson, just because of the dynamic that he's got, but he hasn't been as productive. So I'm going to go Treshawn Ward. He's my MVP of the offense. Adam, any uh, objection there? Any names you want to add? No, I, I think that everybody will say Jordan Travis or Treshawn Ward or, or Johnny Wilson. I'm going to give a shout out to Marie Smith. He's, you know, it was questionable whether he was going to play. You know, he got dinged up in the in the preseason. He hasn't missed a snap since. Did he play against LSU? I can't remember if he played in the LSU game or not. He did. He did. He was back for LSU. He wasn't supposed to be back to Louisville. Made it back for LSU. 
So all he's all he's done is miss his Duquesne game. He's been back since LSU. He's played his tail off. He works hard. You know, this is a guy that they brought in Kate Lyles and everybody said he was going to get replaced. And, you know, they wanted him to sit out a year. Oh, he's not really the MVP, but I just want to tip my cap to him because I like what he's done this year. Another guy like that, too. Of course, Adam's going to go to the trenches. I knew it. I, I knew you do that. That's good. Good. And, and a good, good observation, man. He has he has anchored the middle of that line and he's been solid and consistent and steady. Um, Micah Pittman, man, that, yeah. that the way that that kid plays, not only he's been he's easily his most productive year catching the ball, but watch watch number four out there, man. The, the blocks that he makes, the extra effort that he gives his special teams play. That isn't that was an awesome that was an awesome find in the transfer portal. I love watching that kid play. But yeah, I agree. It's, I, yeah, agree. I'm with that. I was gonna say the fact that he can catch a punt alone. <laughs> yeah, that helps. <laughs> yeah, that awesome helps. <laughs> uh defensively, outside of uh Duquesne, Florida State has probably faced what I think is one of the toughest slate of quarterback opponents uh you know in the country. You know, mm-hmm. you you've got Malik, you got Daniels, Dracovich. Uh, Hartman Lee, Ui Ungalale. I mean, you Perfect. you have all of the 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 ACC is stacked, especially in the Atlantic, uh, and I think that's why Florida State currently, you know, at this point has one of the toughest schedules to this point mm-hmm. in the nation. Adam, how have you felt about Fuller's defense? What's their strengths? Where do you feel like their weaknesses are? Uh, their weaknesses is the secondary. Their second weakness is a secondary. What about number three? Secondary. And yeah, really, the secondary is killing them. Um, I, I don't think Adam Fuller's having a bad, bad year overall. He's just not having a great one either. Um, I think personnel's let him down a little bit. I think, I think some coaching's let him down a little bit on that side of the ball, especially in the secondary. I think they got a big time problem at corner and, and I think it's going to cost them a couple more games before the season's over, unfortunately. Um, yeah. <laughs> they, Look at you, Mr. Get, Sunshine. All right. They got to get it fixed back there. I mean, <laughs> you can only run man coverage. Yeah. This is a team that could run some cover four a lot. They can't do anything but run man because I don't know why. I'll be honest. I, I don't know why. I wish I knew why. I watch it and I try to understand. I understand coverage is pretty – you know, coaching DBs for, for the most part, I, I've studied that stuff. I have no clue why they're so bad in the secondary. Yeah, you, you've seen when they go to a zone, like there's always, there's always windows in the zone, but I don't know what you would call those. Those are like open floor plan. Yes. <laughs> they, they've <laughs> also been they've also been screwed by Fabian Love being out and, and Jared Verse not being 100%. I mean, that hasn't helped at all. You know, when you – your coverage is only going to be as good as your pass rush. Pass rush hasn't been great, but it's been good enough in spurts. The secondary just keeps letting you down. Well, then go to the strengths, Adam. Tell me what's good about this defense. Um, <laughs> the development of Pat Payton, Jared Verse when he's healthy. We'll see when Lovett gets back. Uh, I do like what the linebackers do. I think they get maybe a little bit too much credit. Um, you know, I'd like to see Deloach come downhill and finish in, in, in the hole a little bit better. Tatum Bethune, unfortunately, his shoulder's been dinged up, but when he's been healthy, he's been really good. I think that the linebackers are your strength on this defense when Bethune's healthy, 
But when he's not at 100%, it's still a little bit of a struggle for him. Um, Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure there's a whole lot of strengths on this defense, if I'm being the, perfectly uh, honest. You know, in the offseason, we saw this, this staff trying for every single cornerback that went mm-hmm. in, in the, the transfer portal. And, you know, you're sitting there going, oh, they need tackles. They need this. They need this. I mean, it, this season has become glaringly obvious. They knew they needed help in the secondary. Yeah. Uh, and it's, it's only exposed itself even more here. Um, but, but thanks, Adam, for being that ray of sunshine there. <laughs> Do you, li- listen, and Adam's right. It's, it's a lot different than the composition of the defense last year where you had a really good defensive mm-hmm. line that stayed healthy for relatively the entire year, a gap, a, a black hole, a vacuous sack of nothingness in the second level until Kalen Deloach started to come on. And then a secondary where, I mean, it's so weird, even just the, the dichotomy of Jamie Robinson 2021 versus how we're playing him in 2022. It's just different. I mean, one thing that's they, they are good at limiting explosive plays. Mm -hmm. So if you can keep the cap on the offense and start to raise the pressure rate, hopefully naturally that'll happen with a healthier defensive line. They do have potential. And if, if guys like Azariah Thomas can get some of those communication issues dialed in because right now those guys are getting attacked. Kevin Knowles is getting attacked Mm -hmm. because, and that's not necessarily a youth thing. That's just, he can't, he misses, he's missed like 17 tackles on the entire year. And he's just, he's a consistent weak point. Azariah Thomas, hopefully that'll get cleaned up with some more game experience. Like hopefully the game slows down from a little bit. It's just, I don't know, Adam, with the defense, I'm a little bit perplexed and luckily you're playing some passing offenses and some wide receivers that aren't as formidable. Do you add, I guess, Adam, do you think that Florida state's going to get out of that too high shell? I know that they're having both safeties back there to protect their corners, but you're really getting smashed in the run game and not, not for explosive runs per se, but two yard runs or seven yard runs immediately with the Florida state defense. And they make you earn it. And teams are teams are earning it very easily. Yeah. So do you, do we think that there's going to be like a schematic shift? I think it needs to happen, man. If you're going to yeah. go down, go down with your best players in their spots of strength, man. So Have Jamie him, Robinson do what we he We saw does. him start to do it a little bit against um, Clemson. Right. They took Kevin Knowles out. They put Shaheem Brown in. Um, they, yeah. I, they played Greedy Vance up there. They played a little more big nickel against Clemson, which is still a 4-2-5. They were able to place him too high, but they ha- had an extra – I don't know, safety, they put, put an, a safety in the box and they took a corner out really. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's the personnel that they're facing is going to dictate that a lot. Against Georgia Tech, I could see them playing more big nickel with the Shaheen Brown or Jamie Robinson up in the box. Um, I think when you play Miami, you could see some more of that. Uh, you know, if you're going to get more of a true spread passing attack, you're probably going to stay with that uh, smaller nickel like a Kevin Knowles and and hope that he's figured it out, whatever it is it's ailing him. Um, I, I think I think game plan is going to really – going to really speak to what they want to do there. But, yeah, I do think that they're going to try to be a little more diverse going forward. You, you know, I think, Adam, you and I talked about it one day. The the Adam Fuller, Ben, don't break defense <laughs> is, is in my opinion, part of the reason they're not giving up these large chunk plays yeah. because they're they're almost playing that prevent type type defense. It's a choice, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think the one thing that's – and, again, I, I'm not your your – knowledgeable brain but i I would like to see florida state try to attack more often Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know against wake forest in the second half in the fourth quarter especially you saw them attack hartman a a lot more and speed him up and and they weren't as successful but it's just that because i guess you're protecting those corners so much florida state's really limited with that exotic type you know looks and different type of uh, outside-of-the-box mm-hmm. type blitzes. Look at, I mean, just look at the Clemson game, though. Clemson's first touchdown scored on a, on a nickel pressure uh, where you blow you blow an assignment outside. Mm-hmm. And Adam Fuller, this, you know, or, or maybe it was Norvell, I can't remember which one said it. They This week at the beginning of practice when they had their media availability, they said that's a situation they've worked on all. They worked on all week the week before. That's the exact play they worked on. They were prepared for it. They'd shown it a bunch of times, and then you go out there and blow it. Um, you know, so it's like they're blitzing more. They're sending more pressure. We've seen Jamie Robinson blitz. We've seen Shaheen Brown blitz. We've seen linebackers blitz. We've seen a lot of guys blitz this year. You got to have faith that somebody's going to cover somebody, and they're not going to blow an assignment behind it when you blitz. And you know, I hear people talk about, oh, they're an ugly blitzing team and all this stuff. I, I mean, it, their pressures are their pressures. I don't, I'm not saying they're the greatest pressures in the world, but I don't think they're – I think there's some god awful thing. I mean, I think they bring them and they're okay. They just blow too many stinking assignments. Um, Until the secondary gets better, Adam, you're basically choosing how you want to lose. Do you want to lose underneath 10 times a drive or do you want to lose underneath three times over the top? Now, that's not so you feel bad for Adam Fuller. Now, I mean, however, you can't feel too bad because he's he's him and his DB coach. That's their unit. So it's but right now it's almost you feel like Florida State's defense is picking which way they want to lose right now. And that's not they're stuck. Yes, they are stuck. And I I don't think it's it's not something that is incurable. Right. I agree. Because the defense has shown flashes. I mean, they got gashed a lot against Wake Forest, but they held Wake Forest to one of their lower points outputs Mm -hmm. of the entire game. They only gave up 17 against NC State, and that was with playing Devin Leary most of the game and the offense putting them in atrocious situations. And the Clemson thing, the offense, I mean, that was kind of a mixture, right? I mean, they got yeah. they got they got screwed by that offensive turnover, turnover fake at the end of the punt, kickoff yes. return. They, they got burned say, by their special teams. Happens. It was the middle eight. I'm not going to say it. I'm done. You're, don't bully me, Alan Paul. I know it's your podcast, but I will. But LSU too. I mean, LSU, they go out and they do really well against LSU and we see what they're doing now. They're out lighting Florida up. So it's yeah, consistency, it's, man. And getting the communications I, I, in. I think this is an important week for the defense. They're either going to sit down, self-scout, figure it out, check their practice plans, make sure they're doing X, Y, and Z 
coaching it the way that it needs to be coached, checking all the dots, cross or you know, checking all dotting all their eyes, crossing all uh-huh. the T's, making sure that they're doing what needs to get done and they improve, or they don't and they stay the same and they're going to cost themselves a couple of games and ultimately they're going to cost themselves their jobs in the long term. Yep, totally agree. I, I know that you and I like to talk about how we hang out with the smart guys to make ourselves look good, you know? Yeah. All the uh, time, dude. I've been doing it since I was a little, a little baby. It helps out but, a lot. But I mean, let's be honest, Trey, you're no slouch. We get it. We, we've seen the growth. Like we've seen it with nope, your beard. Nope, nope, it happens. Nope, nope. Nope. With this defense, you talked about, you know, some of those highs and successes and the glimpses. What do you think are a couple of things over the second half of the season that the defense can do to improve? I think with me just kind of leading you off, obviously the return of love, it really stands out. Yeah, that's huge. So health, health is going to improve the defense naturally. I think getting more creative with the personnel that you do have, like you saw, like injecting Shaheen Brown um, into that game. I thought, I thought it had a difference. It didn't make a, an enormous difference, but I thought it made a very positive difference. Uh, so I would think getting a little bit more creative with the personnel. And then honestly, even though if you're, you're not confident in your zone coverage, okay, well, every offense has 9,000 route combinations to beat man. <laughs> and if they know they're going to beat man, like, sorry, man, you're just going to have to roll the dice a little bit. I'm sorry if you feel bad about zone. You're going to have to be different just for the sake of being different. And that's with the coverages that you play. That's with the formations that you have. And you know what, Adam Fuller, you're, you're going to have to, you're going to have to trust the guys that you have. You really are. And you're going to have to start showing some of that stuff that made you statistically a very good defensive coordinator at Memphis. Show one coverage pre-snap, roll to something else post-snap. Start confusing these offenses. And for the love of God, get some takeaways. (laughs) For the love of God, make offenses uncomfortable. It just, Uh, it seems like it's going to be a priority for him. I mean, you got North. He's talking about it. Yeah. I mean, one way to help this offense be better is getting some short fields. Right. Right. Uh, I, I think there was a, a tweet that just came out. Uh, somebody dropped it into TN Slack that Florida State's offense is one of the more successful dealing with basically a bad hand of where they're where, where they get the ball. Like they're creating their own opportunities because how many times have you seen Florida State start basically within their own 20, you know, in the mm-hmm. own 15, you know, Jordan Travis standing on the edge of the end zone. So, uh, yeah, the defense has not done many favors there. They take turns screwing each other over, man. It's like an episode of Survivor. The defense screws the offense because they got to drive from the three-yard line and score against Clemson. The offense screws the defense by barfing up the ball like against Clemson and then doing nothing against NC State. They take turns stabbing each other in the back. Hold hands. Be the... Be the predator handshake meme, guys. Join the mega powers. Let's have some complimentary football. All right, I'm going to skip the defensive MVPs because I don't know based off what you guys were saying if we have one. So let's just go to the the final question before we have a little fun. I'm not going to ask for season predictions or anything like that, but I think the second half of the season presents an opportunity to Florida State to really come out with a a great season. Uh, You've got some very winnable games, and in fact, probably all of these games are winnable. But some yep. of them are going to be tough. I mean, those rivalries against Florida and Miami aren't, aren't walkovers. And, of course, Syracuse and, and, and the fighting Babers are currently undefeated. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, I'll start with you, Adam. I guess your, your, your confidence level over these next five. I think they're going to go three and two. That's not a confidence level, and it is somewhat of a prediction. Yeah. I think they're going to find a way to lose 
one game, likely Syracuse up there in the dome. I do think Syracuse is better than playing better football than them, but we're going to find out a lot about Syracuse over the next three weeks. They got Clemson this weekend, then they play Notre Dame, and then they play, I can't think of the third team, but it's somebody pretty decent. Um, so, yeah, we're going to find out about, about Syracuse before we play them. Uh, and then I think you drop one of the rivalry games, whether it be Miami or Florida. Trey? Uh, it's oh. it's tough. Man. I, I, I lean a little bit more, more towards four and one, but I think that in addition to the Syracuse game, I feel very similar to Adam. The team's, the team's Achilles heel has been their consistency and their execution. So what are you going to do in those two rivalry games where you are playing the better football? I think that you are the better team. And I think in a lot of ways you have the better game day coach than both of those guys. But when emotions are high, especially when you're on the road against Miami and the one time this year, they'll have more than 25,000 people in that stadium. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's a difficult environment, especially we've seen how this team has faltered when real heavy weighty expectations have been put on mm-hmm. them. Right. Yep. So can they overcome it? I mean, the team has shown that they can, they can win in clusters and they can lose in clusters. So I, I, I'd probably predict three and two, just like Adam, but man, I'm, I'm really close to saying four and one. I think they've got it in them, especially with the health. If they can get that health back up there, I think four and one is very doable as is an undefeated run, mm-hmm. which would be absolutely a crazy and welcome like way to end the season, right? Yeah. That would be a wild end of the season, uh, and it would make the, the off-season coaching changes interesting if, if, if anything would occur, if they end on such a high streak. Extensions, better options, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. you, now, you, now you get to have a lot of fun if, if you go 5-0 and oh, or 4-1, right. right. I, I think. So I'll get you guys out of here. You guys have been on here much longer than I, than I asked you to be. So thank you for that. But let's end with a lot of fun. I, I like to end the podcast with a choose your own adventure type question. <laughs> I'll give you three categories. You tell me where you want the question from and we'll go from there. So uh, the category. Do we each get are, our own or do Adam and I get to yeah, confer? You guys can each get your own or if you want to do the same, it, it, like, it's your own, it's your own choice. It's, it's up to you. So. Uh, I'll let I'll let Trey pick for me. Okay, category one. I pick for you. Been, mm-hmm. Okay, fantastic. Category one's only been selected one time so far on the season. It's professional wrestling. Uh, <laughs> category two, uh, House of the Dragons. And uh, Trey, in honor of your upcoming arcade all nighter, the Ninja Turtles. Three man, those are three firecracker <laughs> categories. I'm going to go against typecast and adam you're going to answer the pro wrestling question all right (laughs) i will choose yeah go ahead i will choose house of the dragon because i am eight up with the dragons right now so go ahead adam uh adam Mm -hmm. professional wrestling give me your top three finishing moves of all time from professional wrestlers All right, that's first loaded, off, dude. That anything, is anything Chris Jericho has ever done is god awful. Now we're I'm fighting. Just gonna put that you, out okay, there now, 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 the, now the triple option. <laughs> I'm just going to say it, and I don't want Trey to jump in here. He's got his cute little man, Chris Jericho poster behind him. Chris Jericho is the worst wrestler to ever step in the ring. I'm making that official. I'm making my stance known right here, right now. Okay, as for my top three finishing moves, 
the razor's edge number one all time hands down unquestioned okay the second hmm it's got it's the like pure nostalgia for me the leg drop from hulk hogan Beautiful. i know it's i know it's terrible it's the dumbest move ever <clears throat> but still nostalgia <laughs> i grew up a hogan fan i can remember i mean i just you know it is what it is it's a good right um the, the the thing about the hogan is the big boot setup yeah it, you know it's a combo third yeah. one hmm what's one of those iconic ones that i the sharpshooter love the sharpshooter was a big fan of, of the sharpshooter was a big fan Brett, of the sharpshooter the Hardy, and, and again these are simple trades probably got some cute little oh the swan t-. no you know what who did the swan t- um oh shoot eddie guerrero with the freaking he did the frog splash i like how you literally are about to make fun of me for something i wouldn't pick and then you immediately picked it once you're <laughs> that's because you befuddled yourself talking about the good name of chris jericho and um I, you know it's it's your category go ahead unreal i'm flustered i'm done, I don't get I'm done at this point i'm done at this point i've pissed Trey off my mission here is accomplished <laughs> such a you're such a like a cave troll dude it's unreal. Trey, do you want to give one finishing move I'll give I, I will give multiple. I think that uh, neglecting the Stone Cold Stunner, I think is uh, I, I think it's a war. I think it's a war crime that you miss that. And then I will say I'm I'm partial to the Diamond Cutter, not the RKO, not the RKO. I like the Diamond Cutter. I thought he had a firmer grasp on that three quarter Nelson. And then sorry, Hove, but uh, DDP owns the Diamond side, not you and Dame Dash. DDP, great human being, by the way. Yeah, DDP yoga. Sign up. Absolutely. All right. Good job, Adam. You 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 didn't have to do the Jericho thing. I'm so (laughs) mad at you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, The thing about House of the Dragons, if if anybody really stops and thinks everybody on that show is just a despicable human being. Sure. Yeah. Which, you know, maybe that's why we like it. Dare you besmirch Rhaenyra Targaryen. (laughs) The Black Uh, Queen. Trey, instead of asking if you're House Green or House Black, I want to know. Are you team Damon or are you team Amond with the patch? I'm team Damon all the way. I think that the, the swag is unparalleled. The tongue is almost as sharp as his Valyrian steel sword. However, I'm going to say the, his tongue is the sharpest. The second sharpest thing in that entire show is Amon's chin. I haven't seen anything like that this side of Reese Witherspoon. My God, <laughs> he could open up cans of Campbell's soup with that thing. That is ridiculous. That fight, when that happens, is going to be an, a, just an iconic clash <laughs> of the Titans. That show is firing on all cylinders. I yes, can't wait for the season finale. They've done it again. And shout out to Viserys, the peaceful Patty Considine, finally mm-hmm. getting the, accol- the acting accolades that he so graciously deserved. And shout out Nigel Gruff. Shout out Nigel Gruff, Reese Fonz, going from the most lovable kicking prospect ever in the replacements <laughs> to a just a colossal D bag as Otto Hightower. Man, that show is. Hey, that's that what show I was going to say. I'm Team Hightower here. Come on. You're a that's green? My... Oh, no. God. Come on, Trey. You Dude, now you that. the man. We are. There are I some... am not a green, of course. <laughs> Uh, Rainier is my queen. All right. Yeah, Come bro. On. Blacker the berry, sweeter the podcast, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> Team Black all day. Passenger 57. Wesley Snipes always bet on black. And I am in the dance of the dragons. Beauty. Well, guys, 
Can we answer the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one? Just yeah, one? I, I want that one too. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I kind of want to hear that just, one. It's just simply what's, which turtle is the best and why. Well, Michelangelo, come on. Enough said. <clears throat> just because he's a party dude? Enough said. Come on, nunchucks. Who didn't want nunchucks as a kid? Michelangelo is the best hang, and he's the good vibe guy, but I'm a RAF guy. I mean, I, I can respect that. He's number two for sure. I grew up a RAF guy, uh, and then the older I got and the more mellow I got, I became a Mikey. It, it happens. It's the my national kid, order my, of my, things. My, old, my oldest loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, so yeah, we're all about the Ninja Turtles in this household. I mean, the only thing I was really thankful for as a kid, or as in a as a young adult, as my daughter was growing up, is that when I would ask her who her favorite Ninja Turtle was, she would never say the purple one. Oh, brains yeah. always getting. That's Poor tough Donnie. stuff, man. Poor Donnie That's left tough out. stuff. <laughs> all right, guys, take a moment, pimp yourselves out, tell everybody where they can find everything they want about you all. Uh, yeah, I, I don't have a Twitter. Trey can tell you all the Twitter stuff. Uh, we are at Knowles twenty four seven. If you get the chance, get over there and get signed up. Uh, they're running some great deal over there right now. I know that's great. Uh, good, good on my, really good on my part. Um, <sighs> X is an old YouTube channel, Knowles 24-7 YouTube channel, and Trey's all over the world. Oh, yeah, Mr. Worldwide. Uh, yeah, what Adam said, go to Knowles 24-7. We've got a great subscription right now. Just I think it's like the first month for a dollar. I don't know. Just keep lining my it's pockets. Yeah, keep lining my pockets so I can keep buying retro vintage arcade machines. Obviously, the Knowles 24-7 YouTube page. X is a Knowles YouTube page. We hit you with the film reviews all the time. Subscribe to the On the Bench podcast feed. Oh, yeah. And I want to say I'm going to give a reverse plug back to mm-hmm. you guys at Tomahawk Nation. We love you guys. Mm-hmm. We are alumni. We will always be Tomahawk Nation alumni. You guys are doing a great job getting some new guys integrated, expanding the content lineup and always just always doing the great stuff that you guys do. So I'm really glad that you guys invited us back into the, to the cold war mm-hmm. or warm, loving embrace of the TN fam because TN for life, bro. It's just like that new world order, baby. <laughs> Cowabunga. I don't know how we can finish better than a NWO Ninja Turtle reference. So Trey, Adam, thanks so much for jumping on. Thank you for spending your Thursday nights with me. Uh, I know we laughed at the beginning, but you guys are super busy, whether it's, as Trey said, like Coach AB killing chickens or, you know, (laughs) putting video games together. He's a chicken farmer, not a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) But I I, I greatly appreciate it, guys. So I I really encourage you to check check these guys out. Um, Some of the best football knowledge on the internet so and by me. far <laughs> <laughs> so for trey Rowland, for coach av adam brown Knowles 24 7 tomahawk nation thanks so much for jumping on guys we'll catch you next week when we're talking about those georgia tech bees we'll catch you next week <laughs>